Welcome to The Chase. The Chase is a white arc podcast aimed at specifically giving you an insight into what makes great leaders and entrepreneurs in a variety of organisations tick. We call them Chiefs. My name is James Chiffatelli and together with my White Arc co-chief, Joe Hands, we're going to attempt to take you on a journey and talk to as many chiefs across as many industries as we can to give you an insight into A, what makes them tick and B, what makes their enterprises thrive and more importantly, what they've learned along the way. The Chiefs. So it gives me great pleasure today on the Chiefs to welcome a very, very dear friend and former colleague, Kelly Broff. Welcome to the Chiefs. Hey, thanks, Jeff. It's so good to be here. It is always good to talk to Kelly, and I'm really looking forward to uncovering in the next 20 or so minutes in our Chiefs conversation a little bit of Kelly's amazingly brilliant story. So Kelly's currently the Managing Director of Strategy at Accenture. As I mentioned earlier, she has an amazing story that I've seen Firsthand, I've been a colleague of Kelly's and seen just the brilliance that she brings, both personally and professionally. She's had experience. I'm not even going to get it right, but across, if you think of a domain, a digital domain, there's every chance that Kelly invented it. But she's been through EY, Census, Lonely Planet, ULA, AOL, and now obviously leading the digital way at Accenture. She's uh, definitely considered globally as one of the greatest thought leaders and digital transformation leaders across the globe. So, you know what, I um, I feel very, very fortunate to have you on the show this afternoon. So thank you, Kelly. So Kelly, there's so much more to your story, but I'm not going to spoil it because I want you to tell it. I always open up with a very simple question, which is, what's your story? Well, I'll tell you, I am so humbled by that incredible introduction. I don't know if my story can live up to it. But when I think about my story, I do, you know, you kind of commented, there's almost nothing I haven't done. I have meandered a bit, but there has been a little bit of a common theme. And since I was really young, way before my story professionally ever started, I just was super fascinated by technology and what it was doing for the world. And so I was really lucky to start my career working in technology. I actually spent a few years at Accenture right at the start of my career before I went and got an MBA. And I then really came of age in the UK where I was working at AOL in the you know relatively early days of rapid internet adoption and just was able to really learn all aspects of that business as, you know, we were the underdog, we were learning how to grow subscribers, we were moving people into an adoption curve around technology, around, you know, first dial-up internet and then broadband. And, you know, those themes were the things that actually have anchored me in a continual pursuit of innovation and change. And I've, you know, I've been really fascinated by how people adopt new digital products, new digital technologies. And I sort of feel like I'm perpetually on a path to find the next new wave of of that sort of innovation and adoption. And, you know, that's what's led me through, you know, here to Australia with Lonely Planet. It's what led me in fact, to start my own business and then to to take those lessons into census where uh, where we got to work together. But, you know, that's what I really focus on with my clients today at Accenture is, you know, how do they really bring the adoption element to those new technologies, both internally for their people? How do they make that real? And really critically, of course, externally for their customers, you know, how do they use these new capabilities to connect and to grow? And that's kind of my story in in simple terms. 
it's an amazing story because I know you're an elite athlete and what have you. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But where do you think the thirst for technology came from? Because I certainly remember when you arrived at Census, I thought I was a digital guru. And then you you started saying a few things and I thought, Jesus, I better go back to school, right? But, you know, where, where, where did that thirst come from? Where, you know, did it come through college? Did it come through? Where, where, where did you get it? Oh, you know what? I actually got it from my dad. So when I was a little kid, and it's funny that you should mention uh, my history in sport because it's really tied to this story a little bit. When I was a little kid, I used to go to weekend diving practice. My dad would take me and it was downtown in the city and he worked at the hospital and he would run experiments on this computer that took up an entire room and it had little punch cards and, you know, he'd go in and, you know, I don't know what he was really doing with the punch cards, but he'd be like, here, you can learn how to write a little program. And so I played with the punch cards and this giant computer. And ever since then, I've sort of been hooked. And, and you know what, I, Kelly and I have taken many trips around the globe together for business trips, and I've heard lots of stories about your dad. He sounds sounds like an amazing man. So, you know, someone, uh, Kelly often has taught me things about restoring cars that her dad taught her that she then passed on to me. But where do you think that curiosity for him came from? Because he was obviously an early adopter, right? Oh, yeah. You know, I have no idea. I mean, I think... When I think about what motivates my dad, you've said it again, right? It's cars. (laughs) So, you know, I think that's that's where the passion for for all forms of engineering and and innovation really came from in his life. And, you know, he's clearly passed that aptitude and interest on to me. And and you mentioned earlier, I mean, uh, I'd love just to touch a little bit on your role today. What do you love most about helping the clients that you help today, right? Because you spoke about a transformation is more than just a program of work to transform the asset. You spoke about lots of other things with people and culture. What do you love the most? You know, it's the people. And, you know, change is hard. And organizations really, I think the ones that succeed in transforming are the ones that can bring together what they need to do from a leadership and culture perspective with how to motivate and energize their people to go on that journey with, of course, the right vision and, and, you know, core capabilities to unlock the potential they have in the market. And, you know, one of the things that is a massive focus, not just for, for me, but I think for almost every organization right now is actually how do they unlock the potential of their data and the many, many, many forms of insight that are out there in the world today because of the digital footprint that we all leave behind and the, the associated data. And so I spend a lot of time really, you know, with that blend of analytical and human and, you know, how, how do you bring that together to create the, the formula for, for growth? And so I guess that's, you know, that's probably the thing that really motivates me, right? How do you kind of blend that very intuitive, how do you kind of nudge human behavior aspect together with what are those true drivers analytically where you're going to find competitive advantage? Because at the end of the day, you know, our clients are, are large organizations and they're really looking for how, how do they differentiate relative to their competitors? What is, you know, what is going to be unique for them? And, and I love the, uh, you know, one of the many things you taught me, but I love that frame of reference that you, you don't only look internally at your own products and your own assets and your own technology. You've also got to look at what the market's got. And then all of that's really used to always sort of be James. It's underpinned by people, right? So 
as a leader, and, and, and I say it sincerely, I said it at the opening, I think, Kelly, you're one of the greatest leaders, and I'm not trying to pry you away from uh, Accenture. So anyone from Accenture who's listening to this, don't worry. But um, <laughs> anyone who's looking for a CEO, I actually think, no, I'm only joking. That's a, a joke and a side of But what are some of the leadership aspects that you would, or advice, if you like, that you would give to CEOs and leaders going through transformations right now? Where would you sort of point them to focus? Because from my experience, they kind of focused everywhere, right? And then if the organisation doesn't get on board, is there any sort of simple tips or tricks that you've learned along the way that you would share? You know, some of the most successful transformation leaders that I've had the opportunity to advise bring probably a, a couple of traits. And one of those is a really keen connection to an awareness of the the culture of their organization, not just as it is, but as it could be, but are really plugged into that pulse of the people and, you know, have an, have an infectious ability to excite the vision, you know, to create and to articulate and to excite that vision. And I think that is coupled with a second trait. And I think the two do go really hand in hand in, in successful transformations which is a deep sense of calm in order to put the pieces together because you have to be willing to shuffle the board a little bit to put the pieces together in a slightly different way or you're really not changing anything. And I think that uh, as leaders start to make those types of changes and, you know, I have a couple of individuals in my mind as I talk about this and, you know, with very, very different styles in order to be effective in their organization, but still those two characteristics of being willing to, you know, significantly change the playing board and being infectious in that energy around the outcome you're going for. It's a really good analogy because I think uh, I remember the days when you arrived at Census and we'd had a couple of goes, maybe three or four goes at transformation with some moderate success. I wouldn't say we, we didn't have any success, but then you arrived and, and, and I remember culturally it was almost like we're all waiting for you to deliver the plan, which you delivered the vision, but what you made really clear was that we were all going to enable that vision if we were going to sort of climb that mountain together. So I think that's a really good analogy because quite often you think, well, someone come and build me the plan, then we just got to execute, right? But it's more than that, isn't it? It's it's inside and outside in, right? For sure. And, you know, one of the things I think enabled us all collectively, and, and I'm sure this was really, really down to me, but allowed us to be successful when we did that together at, at Census was that we made every single person a contributor to that transformation. And, you know, I can remember, you know, what, one of one of the moments that sticks with me, and, and I'm not actually sure, sure why uh, it does, is you will remember our monthly customer days. <laughs> and I remember sitting with one of our sales reps in the, in the outbound sales team on the phone and watching him type the same email. Sat with him for a couple of hours and I watched him literally type end to end the same email about nine times. And I thought, you know what? Why can we not have a button for this, right? And, you know, I spoke to him for a little bit afterwards and was like, all right, so how many times do you do this in a month? And I, you know, I remember sort of walking away going, time saved, like, you know, and I know that today people will be listening to this and going, yeah, you know, process automation, it's kind of a standard thing. But I'll tell you, you know, when we when we started thinking way back then about, you know, what are the basics that we need to provide people, it, it was kind of astonishing that, you know, 
simple things make such an impact on people's lives and really enable them to do a better job at their core job. Such a beautiful insight. And for anyone listening, the, the customer day was something that Kelly had implemented where the whole organisation, regardless of the role, actually jumped on for a day on calls with customers, whether it was physical or on the phone. And it was amazing to see, you know, members of the finance team talking to customers about their products and members of the product team. Just a really, so another really great tip for anybody listening around how you can actually engage the whole organisation to get involved in being genuinely customer-centric. A really, really good analogy. Another tip that I'm looking for you, for someone who's young and aspiring, looking, you know, planning their career out and wanting to be a great leader, is there any sort of typical themes or attributes, Kelly, that you think, you know, uh, categorise great leadership? You know, when I uh, talk to young people, I start with be yourself. You know, I actually think to grow into a great leader is really about being willing to be comfortable in your own skin and learning what you really love, what you're really passionate about, what gives you energy in your day to day. And part of learning that part is learning what you don't love so much and figuring out how to surround yourself with the right people who can balance out those things that may not be your favorite things to do or the things that you are absolutely the best at. And so I think, you know, if you're if you're able to get comfortable in your own skin, you're able to find and pursue your passion. Those are probably the, the two most important things in becoming a good leader. And then, you know, the third, which I think sometimes we we get confused with leadership being connected to a title. And I think leadership is a state of mind. And so a willingness to take yourself to the level of the person with whom you're connecting, whether that's a team member who's working for you or whether that's, you know, a customer who, you know, who you're providing service to or, you know, honestly, whether that's just a person who you're interacting with who might spark some new thought or idea that you haven't had before. I think there's a a really important element of humility and having a mindset, which is which is about connecting to help you find those leadership attributes. And, and we all have them, but we all do them differently as well. I think so, three such valuable tips. I mean, be comfortable being you, because it's funny as a as a young person, I, you know, I often look back and think, hey, you know what, I wasn't very comfortable, you know, because I thought I had to be something else, because maybe that was what was instilled in in us or in me and what have you, surrounding yourself, because people have got the answers and people are generally pretty generous, aren't they? But you've got to sort of be comfortable to go and ask them for that generosity. And then I think, you know, wrapping that all together and just keeping things flat and simple, as you would always say, uh, it, it's so, so true. That's how you create momentum. All right, change of pace, Kel. So if you couldn't be the greatest digital transformation leader that you are and you had to be something else to have a totally different career, what would you do and why? Oh, the hardest question. You know what I actually would do is probably a community sport. Community sport. Mm. Community sport. And like, what role would I do? I have no idea. But you know, one of the things that I have realized over the years is, I mean, it enriched my life so much growing up playing sport. And, and I did, I did a lot of sports, but you know, one very, very seriously, but you know, I think a combination of being a parent, watching my children, but also just kind of watching society around me. I just think that engagement in in all forms of sporting activity just really drives a different perspective on life. It, it, you know, it does all the, the health things that we like, right? Reduces stress, provides endorphins, makes us happy. 
but I also think it creates connection, right? And it creates a sense of community. And, and I guess I think we, we see all the pro athletes, right? And they're, you know, held up on pedestals and things. I think there's a real element to community sport and, and managing community sport to drive participation and engagement, which just has such incredible benefits for society. And I think that's probably what I would focus on if I wasn't doing what I'm doing today. And, and I absolutely concur with you. That goes with your theme of connection. For the listeners, I'm going to tell you another story. So Kelly, maybe three or four years ago, after being a champion diver, almost uh, diving for the uh, U.S. Olympic team and then being the super big... Well, not quite. <laughs> but anyway, Kelly decides to take up cycling. And I thought, finally, something I can be better than Kelly at because nobody shaves their legs better than me. But anyway, that's a, a story for another day. So Kelly invites me out for a bike ride. And I should have known I'm going for a ride with Kelly. Anyway, first hill comes and I'm down the back. So anyway, whatever Kelly does, yes, it is good for the community, but she's also bloody good at it. There you go. All right. So, Cal, I promise you 20 minutes and we've already gone 25. So I apologize. I'm gonna, I've got a couple more questions for you. Clearly, you're happy. You're brilliant at what you do. Is there anything you change and why? Well, look, you and I were talking about this just before we started. I think the first thing that I would change is I would give us a little more freedom right now. And, you know, I just have to acknowledge and shout out to everyone who, you know, I think we're all trying to find our happiness through through the, the situation in Australia right now. So, you know, I, I, A, I would change that. It's, it's immediate and I, I would change it and I recognise that I can't. But, you know, there are not a lot of choices I've made in my life that I would change. The reason I'm frustrated with uh, the current situation is I would love to be able to make Australia and the United States a little closer together. It's probably the one hardship in my life is that a good portion of the people who I care most about are pretty far away. But honestly, you know, I've, I think there's an element of serendipity in life. You know, you make your choices and, and you make the best of them and until they're not that good anymore and then you change them, right? So, you know, it's a simple philosophy, but it's worked for me so far. I love it. It's a great philosophy. And on, on that note, if you had to go back in time and give a young Kelly some advice, you know, Kelly, who's just come out of college, what advice would you give yourself? I would probably tell myself not to take so many things so seriously, first off, right? Because I really, I do tend to go after things uh, all in or or nothing. And uh, I probably could have embraced a little bit less pace early on because it's a long journey, a career that we go on. So, you know, I think that's probably one thing I would, would tell myself. But, you know, the other thing I would tell myself is to be prepared for the ups and downs. Because, you know, we talk a lot about about driving gender diversity right now and female leaders and, you know, how do, how do we help women when they're in the process of starting a family? And I think, you know, how do we also help female and male leaders through the ups and downs that life throws at you? And when you want to go after an opportunity, but you also have other conflicting factors externally. And how do you balance that? How do you make your choices? And how do you feel good about the fact that, you know, one opportunity passed by just means the next one's ahead of you? And so I think that if I had been able to communicate that to myself earlier, I probably would have been a, a little bit more relaxed as I went through some of the early stages of my career and probably rolled with things a little a little bit more. Life is a journey and, and you definitely are all in, but you're all in in such a good way that I don't know that I would have uh, 
you know, I take that really, really well. And, you know what? Next time we go for a bike ride, I'm going to give you advice. Just, just relax a little bit. Yeah? Don't get all in, not, not until the 50 kilometre mark or something like that. All right, one last question to you, uh, Kelly Broffy, superstar. And it's a one word answer. If you had to use one word to describe yourself, what would that word be? You know, I'm pretty sure I said it just a minute ago. I think I'd go with serendipitous. Serendipitous. I like, I thought you were going to get connected, but I like serendipitous. Kelly Broff, you've been an absolute superstar. I loved working with you. I love calling you a friend, and I think you're an absolute um, fantastic example for anyone looking for, for amazing leadership, digital transformation. Feel free to reach out to Kelly on LinkedIn or come through Wide Oak, and we're happy to uh, link you up. But Kelly, stay safe. We'll figure out a way to get you back, back home to the States uh, shortly. To, and uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. It was fantastic talking to you and uh, and, and wish, wish you and, and your family also uh, to, to stay safe and stay sane.